I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Isis Brianna is a creative marketing strategist, content creator, and faith-led educator. She is on a mission to see Black and Brown women transform their divine gifts into profits, peace, and purpose. The proclaimed digital sales guru began her entrepreneur journey with a side hustle she launched while working as a burned-out kindergarten teacher. With her natural talent for serving others, Isis went from creating presets, filters, to showcase her travels on Instagram, to selling them and creating a course teaching others how to make their own. Not only did her new business help her to earn three times her teaching salary, but her audience began to take notice of the success of her launches and wanted to learn how they can do the same with their products and services. Her business, goals, and influence continues to grow as she serves her audience of thousands throughout her content and coaching on and off social media, on and off social media, educating them on how to market their business in the digital space. So please welcome to the show, Isis Bradford. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And healing really is a conversation that needs to be had once we heal Honey, there's a lot that we can do. <laughs> and Amen. until we heal, there's a lot we won't do. So <laughs> I'm excited. I absolutely agree with you on that. You know, prior to the four-year anniversary of the show and the name change and updating it to the Heal Her podcast, for four years, like the conversation, it was still healing, mm-hmm. but I feel like the basis was a little bit different. And I went through a heavy healing process. And like you said, there's so much more that we can do once we've gone through that process. And I wanted to share with the world that there are so many of us out here on our healing journey and the conversations are so different and so Mm -hmm. elevated and so much more healing Mm -hmm. and as a community, how we can heal. So thank you for being open and wanting to come on and share with us. I'm excited. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am super excited for many reasons. Like mm-hmm. I've been following you on Instagram since 2020 and fell in love at first with the aesthetics of your yes. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I love the travel shots and the, the it was like a darker theme. And mm-hmm. then the transition of watching you evolve as a human and watching your social evolve. And I started digging deeper into your captions and the, the value that you put out there. Yeah. And that's why I'm so excited to have this conversation. Cause I feel like, you know, I have a lot of Instagram besties, but once we have these conversations, you guys are stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump right in. And before we get to where you are presently and, and mm-hmm. what your healing journey um, has taken you to, I love to start at the very beginning because mm-hmm. I feel like as kids, we have, you know, vivid imaginations and our fantasies are running wild And then society and sometimes our caregivers unintentionally Mm -hmm. start to limit us and reshape who we want to be and what we want to do in this world. So I would love to know, what did little Isis (laughs) want to do? (laughs) Who did she want to be when she was a little girl? What was she It's funny because I feel like I've lived the life of everything I've wanted to be. And I don't think that my parents, I want to start there. I see a lot of people whose parents hinder their goals or people switch their goals because they say, oh, the people around me wanted this for me. I don't think my parents ever really put a name on what they wanted me to do or who they wanted me to be. They really have always carried the the idea that they just want me to be happy. Mm. And I've appreciated that. But I do think that they indirectly shifted who I wanted to be based on me watching their lives. So when I was growing up, I always had one, two things, one that I was in love with and one that I could name. The one that I could name is that I wanted to be a surgeon. I don't know why. As, even as a little girl, I remember being five years old and we got our first computer. I would go on and try to watch surgery videos. And wow. I don't know if you remember, but Discovery <laughs> Channel, before Oprah bought it, <laughs> Discovery <laughs> Channel used to have these late night surgeries it was unfiltered. You can watch a, a mm-hmm. surgery. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon. I figured it out. I loved it. And I was that kind of strange little kid because I would be walking around by the time we had like digital portable DVD players, I'd be watching surgeries. And my parents were like, yeah, she's just in a weird phase. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> I don't know why I was obsessed with that. But the thing that I always did that I couldn't identify until later was teach. Mm. I was always a teacher. I would play teacher. I would play tutor. I would force my brother and sister to sit down and to let me teach them their ABCs or let me teach them how to spell, even though I was the baby. And um, even when I look back with me wanting to be a surgeon, I actually loved teaching that, not doing it. I would go and show my sister and be like, see how he made this little stitch here? And so I've always loved it. And it's, it's funny. I don't know why it took me so long to recognize that because both of my grandparents, my, my both my grandmothers are uh, educators. I'm a full mm-hmm. line of educators. So it's probably just in my blood. Um, but my parents always had the sentiment that you do whatever you want to do. However, my mom and my dad, they haven't been together since I was one years old. And I lived two totally, completely lifestyles, completely different mm-hmm. lifestyles. 
Um, with my mom, I felt like we were struggling and really barely making ends meet. She would work three and four jobs. I remember the day I decided for sure that I was going to be a surgeon. I don't even know if she knows this, but I was in fourth grade and she passed out at work. She passed out because her cycle was on and we both have very heavy flows, uh, fibroids and things like that. But her cycle was on and um, she was exhausted is what they deemed it. One loss of blood to exhaustion and she passed out. And I remember going to the hospital and I'm looking at her in this bed. I just like, well, something rolled up in me. I was just so distraught. And I was like, I don't want this to be my life. Is this what it's going to look like? Mm -hmm. And on the other end, my dad lived a very lucrative lifestyle, um, traveling the world. He would take us on trips here and there. It was such a weird dynamic because I would go and I would feel like, oh, I'm on top of the world with him. And then I would go back home and watch my mom scrap money for us to eat. And I think both of them did the best they could with what they had. They just didn't communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that parenting dynamic was. I felt very loved by both of them, but they're co-parenting dynamic was a little different than how I would do it today. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with watching them, I decided to make the decision to go into medicine right off the bat when I went to school, because I was like, well, I've always wanted to do this. I've always been interested in this. You make money being a doctor was my mindset. And um, I knew that I wanted to travel like my dad and I didn't want to be broke like my mom. And I was I wanted to fall somewhere in between where I had time and money for my family. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that was (laughs) my upbringing. Wow. Okay. So there's so much in there that I want to unpack. Yes. Um, Okay. So let's start with, I love, love, love how you uh, prefaced with saying that your parents just wanted you to be happy. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times because our parents um, for many of us, our parents were in survival mode and, mm-hmm. you know, they had these ideas and many people that I've interviewed are either first generation Canadians or first generation Americans. So mm-hmm. their their parents had an idea of what they wanted for their life, mm-hmm. you know, who they wanted them to be or what they wanted to do. So I love that for you, that it was that your parents wanted you to be happy. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm trying not to get emotional because I'm a crier. <laughs> I am too. Don't start. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let it flow. I mean, uh, I feel like I have a, like I have three kids and they're older. So a 25 year old, 22 year old and a 17 year old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're going to be who they're going to be. I'm not that parent that says, well, I want you to be a doctor. I want you to be, I just want them to be happy and healthy. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, the focus. But I have a lot of friends who don't agree with my parenting style because theirs, they're super strict with their kids and have this, mold of who they expect their kids to be and I don't judge but that's just not how I parent but hearing you say that that made me emotional because it's like that should be our priority Mm -hmm. as parents to want happy children they grow up to be happy confident Mm -hmm. adults right absolutely (laughs) And, and I love how you also shared like with your parents, you know, some things are taught, some things are caught. So mm-hmm. you know, you've looked at things um, within what you've seen with your parents and, mm-hmm. and how, you know, you wanted to be and how you didn't want to be or, you know, what you wanted for your life. And also how you got to experience, I want to say the best of both worlds, because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, 
I grew up as a child in, you know, government housing to a single mom, mm-hmm. struggling with my parents by the time I was a year old as well. Um, and I would travel to see my father. Mm-hmm. But it's like you get to experience both sides, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, some people aren't that fortunate where it's mm-hmm. either they only got to experience the wealthier side and then they're, you know, spoiled or entitled or don't realize the hardships or struggles that mm-hmm. other people have to go through. They don't have that compassion. Absolutely. But then you also got to see the other side. So your appreciation and things, you know, are very different. So I love mm-hmm. that you had that experience as a child. I yeah. love, love, love that for yeah. you. I would love to know how you feel actually having both sides of those experiences, mm. how you feel that they've shaped you as an adult. I think they gave me the right balance of motivation and anchoring. And I will say too, I have been through a, a great deal of therapy sessions and <laughs> <laughs> understanding my parents. I remember my first therapy session my therapist made me say out loud or asked me to say out loud um, that I, my parents did the best with what they had, but I know that I deserved better. And, mm-hmm. and that was such a tough thing for me to sit with, to actually say outside, outside of my brain, yeah, I did deserve better, but I also don't fault them. It's just a, a weird feeling to have. But I will say they, they've shaped me very similarly, it's crazy. They live two totally different lives, but I got the same impact in a way. My mom definitely t- taught me to do what I love and that the money will come. And I've always lived by that. Not always. There have been times where I'm, sitting, I'm like, I'm just going to go for the money. <laughs> but I've always been brought back to that. <laughs> yeah. It's like once you really enjoy what you're doing and you're doing it out of love and you're serving, the money will come. My mom definitely is not in the situation that she was when I was growing up. And I know that it's because she stayed true to who she is and what she loves to do. And that is nursing and that is helping. And now she's soaring. I mean, she's amazing. Um, And my dad gave me motivation as well because he gave me that glimpse of like what life could be. But Mm -hmm. he also, and he recognizes it now, was very, very busy. My dad, owned, he was always a serial entrepreneur. He's owned photo booths and multiple properties. Now he owns um, car shops and, or tire shops out in Florida. And um, I remember being a kid and, and there was not one meal that I sat down with my dad where he didn't pick up the phone. There mm. was always someone calling, always something that he had to do. And I remember thinking as a kid, yeah, when I get money, I'm having time for my kids. And mm-hmm. it's not like he ever was like off for hours, but I just remember it would be times where we're having a deep, good conversation and the phone rings is like one minute. And I'm like, dad, those things really impact us. And so who I am now as a person, I am someone who I'm very motivated. I want the finances and I, and I appreciate them because I want to serve, because I want to have more time for my children and for my family. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, in a roundabout way, I've been very grounded and, and that has created who I am. Little yeah. bits of pieces of both of them. The, yeah. the foundation is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes there are, you know, people who start businesses because they think it'll, you know, quickly monetize or they see other people doing it or whatever. But I love that, you know, your why, um, you know, you found your purpose, you have your foundation. Mm -hmm. Let's talk more to your whys and your foundation of why you do what you do. Yes. Um, 
I, I love to remind people that your why can shift in different seasons. When I started, my why, I don't know why it's funny for me to look back on now. When I started my why, it was because, or when I started my business, my why was because I was molested. Let me start there. And I trumped my molestation up to the fact that my mom didn't have money and she had to find the cheapest babysitter, which was family that I wouldn't have decided to be around and they had people coming in and out of their home. And so somehow us being broke led to me being molested. And I've shifted my thinking on that. But I I think that's important to still note that that was my why. I wanted to have money so that I can stay home with my children and or put them in trusted hands. You know, Mm -hmm. if I have to pay for cameras around my home, I wouldn't be able to pay for cameras (laughs) around my home, like for whatever that needed to be. And now my wife have shifted in a bit because I've healed that part of myself where I'm like, you know what? Perverts are going to be perverts. Abusers are going to be abusers. There is nothing, honestly, that my mom could have done to make someone not touch me. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than if I had spoken up and, and said something to her. And mm-hmm. so now I'm like, okay. I still want, now I'm in a space where like, I don't want to protect my kids in a way where I want to hover them and watch everything that they do. I want to be there when they need me, but I want to protect, I want to protect their freedom. If Mm. that makes sense. And I want to protect not even the freedom of my children, but the freedom of those that are impacted by my life and by my brain. And what I mean by that is I truly believe that creativity and growth and me as a business coach and branding and, and marketing specialist, I'm thinking about all of those things. All of the things that you're doing in your business, in your life, come for me for freedom. Once you have that freedom, that financial freedom, when you're not coming out of a place of lack, yeah. that mental freedom where you're not psyching yourself out or not telling yourself you're good enough and all of these things, freedom is what's necessary. And there's a lot of freedom for me. God and freedom are one of the same. Like once you have mm-hmm. God in the center of it, there's there's a level of freedom that is there. Yeah. And so now my why is that I want people to live freely and not just look at freedom as money, but freedom from all the things that are stopping you from being where God wants you to be. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So first, I'm sorry that you were molested as a child and you yeah. had to go through that experience. And it's always interesting to me when someone is in a healed place, how mm-hmm. it's almost like easier to transition from, yeah, this happened to me, but here, you know, here's, mm-hmm. here's <laughs> there's so much in what you said that I'm like, okay, where do, where do I want to start to unpack mm-hmm. the, the freedom part? Yeah. I love that. I love that for you. And I love that for the people that are connected to you. I love that for the people that are listening. I think I agree with you. You know, sometimes people have this belief that, you know, freedom is only attached to money because it Mm -hmm. allows you to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And I think once you've gone through your healing journey, you find that that what you once believed isn't what you believe presently. Right. You know, I I know for myself, the, the freedom that I used to desire was connected to feeling safe, not only in the environment that I'm in, mm-hmm. because growing up in poverty, like you said, certain yeah. things, you experience a lot of things, but it's like, 
uh, the piece of safety physically, the, the mm-hmm. piece of safety mentally, the piece of safety in your spirit, the piece like once you have, are going through and have gone through mm-hmm. the process, your, yeah. your perspective of things yeah. is very, very different. Even the freedom, the freedom to feel mm. was something that I had to learn. And now we call them like what big emotions, big feelings, whatever. <laughs> but a lot of people don't allow themselves to feel because something happened when they felt that way. When they were angry, right? When we're brought up and we're angry and we have an outboard, a burst, our parents react a certain way or someone around us. Some people were hit. Yeah. Some were like, oh, shut up, keep moving. Yeah. Some were told, oh, you're weak. When you have a big, when you're overjoyed, I know for me, when I get overjoyed, oh, I am jumping out of my pants. <laughs> and I have been told so many times, you're doing too much. You're no, too much. You're annoying. No. Like I, and, and it shapes you. And so even learning, when I say freedom, it's everything. The freedom to be who God is calling you to be yes. is so important. I love it. So, yes. Yeah. I agree. And even to the people who, you know, tell you that you're doing too much when you're expressing yourself mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So emotions are energy in motion, mm-hmm. energy, spirit, vibe. So your happiness, when you are expressing your happiness, which, you know, emotions, the, the labels that we give emotions are labels for the vibration that we're on. So when you're <laughs> happy, you're in a higher vibration. Yeah. If you were happy and you were expressing that emotion mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. you are going to see it. So you jumping for joy is you expressing being on a high vibration, but yeah. sometimes that will irritate people who are miserable with themselves, mm-hmm. who haven't done the work, people who need to look within and reflect on their own you know, actions and behavior. Like, and I guess where I want to go with that is like, you know, you've openly spoken about ADHD. Yes. (laughs) I have have a child with ADHD, so I get it. Which, Um, which, which child? (laughs) (laughs) The middle child. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I, I get it. And um, I was actually told, I don't know if it's ADD or ADHD, which Mm -hmm. are one of them, but it's like, it can be hereditary. And Mm -hmm. I always accept (laughs) my ownership (laughs) in things. So when you are expressing yourself, Mm -hmm. especially growing up with ADHD, Mm -hmm. especially how culture and society used to view certain things, Mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to silence or numb or medicate or you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to process and move through that? Mm, wow. From, from growing up or currently or all of it? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, okay. Let me start by saying this. I don't know why this is on my heart. I do believe, let me make it very clear. I am no doctor guys. I did not finish that degree. <laughs> I changed my major. Um, but I, it is it is my opinion that, yes, it is hereditary because a lot of people don't realize that when you are neuro, neurodivergent, you're already prone to other things. Yes. And so that's why you'll see families where, oh, someone's ADHD, someone has anxiety, someone may be autistic, and it's, it's throughout the family. And I remember thinking, because for a while they were saying that autism wasn't hereditary, and I'm not sure if they even said it yet, but I was an autism teacher. And mm. I remember when we had certain parents who had kids with autism, typically they had a few. They would have maybe two out of the four of their kids were autistic. 
And I was like, okay, there's something, something here is in the blood. And uh, it's funny because my last little point, my husband is dyslexic. And so he decided to get um, blood work done, like a genealogy test or something like that. I can't remember why, but it was so funny because from his gene test, it said you or your children are more likely to have a reading disability Mm -hmm. from not even knowing that he was dyslexic. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, there's something here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Uh, with that being said, now that I've said that, I say that because for me, I don't like to diagnose people, but both of my parents are clearly ADHD to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed ADD. Now they just say all of ADHD. Both of them very clear signs to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have, uh, yeah. Okay. So with that being said, <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's funny having parents who seem to be undiagnosed ADHD raise a child with ADHD because they both reacted to it so differently. My mom is on the end of what I would say. She's always loved structure. I think that was her defense. Now that she's bringing her walls down in adulthood, I see, okay, she's living a little bit more free. Um, and that was kind of scaring her. I can see because <laughs> she's like, what is going on in my brain? I'm like, mom, you're finally just letting it roam. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she was very, very structured. And that was a bit tough for me because um, I am the total opposite. I remember all of my report cards would say something along the lines of Isis is so smart. She's probably the the smartest kid I've had in my class, but she will not stop talking. Or something along the lines of she always feels like she needs to be the teacher. She always has outbursts. And so, um, and my mom, of course, would give me consequences for that, whether it be, you know, some kind of at-home homework or uh, she wasn't big on grounding, but something, she would actually do like one day grounding. We're like, just for today, like, chill out. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're not going outside, <laughs> chill out. Um, and I needed to let that part of me roam. And my dad was on the other end where I feel like my dad taught me to hop around a little bit again being a serial entrepreneur too it was it was such a frustration because I'm like oh this part of me is like I can do anything I want to do and all the things I can do and the other part of me is like structure girl you need structure and so it was a constant battle but there was no verbiage to what was going on with me Mm -hmm. and it got to the point where in college actually I thought something was wrong with me. I just didn't, I didn't know what it was. Now I'm saying nothing's wrong with me, but I remember calling my mom. I was like, something is wrong with me. And I was boohoo crying because I had gotten into literally probably my eighth accident in two or three years, car accident, mostly caused by me. Almost all of them. Only one was not caused by me. (laughs) And my mom was like, I don't get it. Isis, what is going on? Mind you, she has a history of car accidents too. (laughs) And so I was like, mom, this time, this car accident, I saw this really pretty house and I was watching it and I kept thinking, oh my gosh, this is so pretty. I can't imagine it having a living here. And I was thinking about my entire future and in the entirety of three seconds, I look up and I'm under a truck and she was like, you need to go see somebody. You need help. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. And I remember so many times of my life feeling like the oddball out. And I think that, oh, now I'm trying to get emotional. Feeling so like out of the box had a lot to do with how I saw my self-worth too. Because mm-hmm. I felt like I was always the friend who couldn't shut up 
Or um, I remember just sharing a fact one time. I was riding in the car with a friend. I was like, hey, did you guys hear this fact about, it was something about death. And she was like, oh my God, Isis, you're so morbid. You're always just saying stuff, like stop. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And there were just like so many times in my life where I felt like something is so wrong with me. And so when I finally got to put words to it, it helped me accept it and not even accept it, but like, love it. I know some people get diagnosed and it's like their world crashes. For mm-hmm. me, it's like my world just started. I was like, oh, yeah, I finally, I know what this is. Like, and I'm so proud of it. Like, I try not to attach to it. I, I don't give myself excuses anymore, right? And I, I went through that phase too of like, yeah, I'm not responding to emails because I have ADHD. I'm just, I don't give myself <laughs> excuses anymore, but I am proud of it. And I say, yeah, I have ADHD and these are struggles that I've had. And um, I use it to help other people feel seen and, and, and be productive and be their best selves, whether they have ADHD or not. So it was difficult to maneuver solely because I just wanted people to see me for me. Yeah. And it felt like I was always someone who was getting on people's nerves. Honestly, it was tough. I I want to thank you for being so open about it on social mm-hmm. and, and even right now. I thank you for your transparency because I have actually used you as representation that I show to my daughter where mm. I'm like, you can, it is possible yeah. to be an adult with ADHD and run a successful business mm-hmm. and be your own boss and, and, you know, be an entrepreneur. I've showed her your page. I've showed her your <laughs> post because I know, um, and even when you start to get emotional, I'm like, okay, don't cry me, Kini. <laughs> <laughs> because I have to tell my kids, it's okay to be different. Not mm-hmm. only, it's mm-hmm. like, I, again, I'm not diagnosing anybody, but mm-hmm. everyone in my family is on the spectrum somewhere. Mm-hmm. Including me. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then my partner, same thing, him mm-hmm. and his boy, same thing. So we know that we all, uh, as my partner says, we all have our quirks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we accept that we are not all the same. Everyone functions differently. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have this expectation that because I have so much structure within my days. I don't expect mm-hmm. everyone else in the house to, you know, we know that whether one person may be overly talkative, mm-hmm. they're just expressive. You yeah. know, we try to flip the perspective to be more positive, mm-hmm. you know, and rather than say, you know, you're weird. No, you're unique. You're, you're, yeah. you know, yeah. you're or if someone yeah. says, ah, you know, I know I'm special. Mm-hmm. No, we're all special. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I can't wait until the day where, we actually don't have to have a name for anything. Mm-hmm. I can't wait until the day where we just accept everyone for who they are. And we don't have to explain away why we're doing certain things because we've accepted that the norm is whatever your norm is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the more that we have these conversations and the more we bring awareness to it, mm-hmm. we'll get closer to it. Because I know growing up, I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. And then having like, my daughter was diagnosed in elementary mm-hmm. school. My son's in high school being diagnosed right now, like going through all the tests. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just diagnosed me. Yeah. <laughs> so us just being open and having these conversations where people are realizing, oh, okay, mm-hmm. we're not all the same. Everyone functions differently. We all learn differently. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had other women come on the show and share that they were diagnosed as adults with mm-hmm. dyslexia or ADHD mm-hmm. and the relief in understanding you know, things that they were so confused about growing up. The exactly. Knowing, okay, well, 
this is, yeah, this may be a label and I don't have to own this label, but here are some things I can do to help me function. Mm -hmm. Here are some things that, you know, I can do to still be successful at what I want to do. And it's beautiful to see all of you still um, thriving Mm -hmm. and also being open about your challenges and the Mm -hmm. things that you're going through and then sharing what works for you. Yeah. So thank you for that. Absolutely. My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So let's get into, because I know as someone who struggles to focus, you know, Mm -hmm. I've had even my own friends are like, girl, I don't know how you wrote five books. I don't mean, no <laughs> but let's get into your book writing process yes. <laughs> and, and how that has been healing for you. Mm. Um, well, let me say first off, seek help. Okay. Whether you have ADHD or not, if you have trouble focusing or you are, it's just tough for you to put your ideas into action, get help. Yeah. But I want to start by I love plugging her. I actually had a ghostwriter and her name is Pollyanna Reed. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I believe you yeah. had her as a guest too. I, I, I've, I've had Pollyanna as a guest. And funny enough, we actually partnered together um, with a lot of her clients. I yes. did side for her, her ghostwriting clients. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My world. <laughs> um, but yes, phenomenal. And I want to say too, the reason I say seek help is because I also want to shift how people view what help is. I was afraid to get a writer, a ghost writer with the title ghost writer, because mm-hmm. I was always taught, oh, ghost writers, they write everything for you. You're not, it's not your brain. No, we sat and she literally, basically what she did was take my teaching style and put it into a beautiful format. She sat mm-hmm. and she interviewed me and I got to talk my head off. And she typed it up. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> and she just let me know what she needed. She's like, hey, we need another source here. Can you can you research another brand? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's beautiful to get help. But even during that process, and I think it, it is important for me to mention that, is that she allowed me to work in a way that works best for me because talking things out for some reason allows me to see it differently. Like I'm walking through different things. I put names to things. So for example, like I have been very open about that. I really used to struggle with comparison. I call it even just being a hater sometimes because that's (laughs) what I was. I was a hater. I could not support people. (laughs) And I can't remember the exact question she and we were having a conversation interviewing me for the book. And she asked something along the lines of how do I maneuver um, like the feelings of when I'm in seasons where I'm not growing or something like that. And I was talking about my compliment and copy strategy, which I coined for the book. And, and that was like a part of my healing process of like, okay, what am I doing here? And I sat and I realized when I'm having these hard moments, I I learned, okay, there was one time I saw this person's post and I scrolled past it. And I said, why did you scroll past that? Because you were just sitting in your head saying, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. So I went back and I left a compliment of the things that I said in my head. Mm. And then I addressed the feelings that I had. I was like, girl, now why are you hating on her? And at that moment, it was because it was something that was super creative. It was a post and people were commenting like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. And I was like, I like feeling smart. (laughs) (laughs) 
And for some reason, I thought that her having a great piece of content took away from me ever ha- being able to have a great piece of content. And so I addressed those feelings. And that's where the copy comes in. And it's like, I'm not going to copy her content, but I'm going to copy the things that get me there. Yes. I'm going to copy fostering my own creativity. I'm going to take classes. I'm going to put my own authentic piece of emotions and feelings and ideas out into the world too. Um, and so that was such a healing process for me is to not only walk through the things that got me to where I am now in my business and my brand, but what changes I made to get there, how I got there. Um, it's funny. I was even telling my therapist the other day, cause I was like, yeah, by the way, I have, I published a book. Cause I hadn't seen her in like a year. She was like, "Excuse me, what? Your book is out?" And she's like, "Tell me about the process." Like, no, the biggest thing I realized is that I am good enough. Like mm-hmm. I am enough. Because when I first started writing the book, I was thinking I had to outsource so much stuff. I was like, "Let me research every other brand that I can use as an example. Let me find Disney and Nike and all of these things and do case studies on them." And my publisher came back and was like, um, "Can we have a few more personal stories on how you implemented this?" And I'm like, "Do people want to hear about me?" She's like, "It's your yeah. book." Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, it, that was that was very healing for me to see. And now him, having the comments and the reviews and the results come back and seeing that people were helped from my thoughts, my experiences, my words yeah. and the thoughts, experience and words that God gave me. Yes, it is. It is it's beautiful. It's wow. beautiful. And I, I'm slow. I'm still chipping away at it, but I'm slowly chipping away from the feeling of I have to explain this, but peasantry. <laughs> and I say that because there was one time I was like very low in my emotions. It was a very low mental health day for me. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, people don't like me. Having a personal brand is difficult within itself because you feel like, oh, your business is attached to who you are. And I had to separate from that experience. And my husband stopped in me and said, um, when are you going to see yourself the way I see you and the way mm. God sees you because you're a queen and you're a princess. And right now you're acting like a peasant. Mm. And he was saying it in a way of like, he was saying it in a way of like, he's in disbelief. Like he, he's like, girl, why are you acting like this? Yeah. Get it together. And me writing the book and going back through my experiences and seeing how much God has helped me and how much I have been able to help people that was very, very healing for me. It made me realize, you know what? I am that girl. I am the daughter of the king. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love, listen, I love hearing about people's writing journeys because Mm -hmm. it is cathartic. It is healing. Um, You know, whether you're sharing your personal journey, whether you're sharing Mm -hmm. business tools, there is a healing element to it. it. It requires a lot of reflection. You know, you're, not only rereading your own words and your yeah. thoughts, um, you know, even talking it out, talk therapy, I've, I find even organizing your mm-hmm. thoughts, like all oh, of that, yes. it is such a healing process. Yes. And there was something else I was going to say. Oh, Jay, uh, Jay Shetty's book, um, mm-hmm. uh, Think Like a Monk. Yes. The, the So when you were talking about that you used to be a hater and you would scroll mm-hmm. past the post and things like that, so it immediately made me think of, 
uh, his book. And mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to admit my listeners know I'm obsessed with Jay Shetty. I've read um, both his books. I listen to every single podcast. I like Think Like a Monk. I haven't even seen his other book, but I do love Think Like a Monk. His second book is more about relationships. Oh, great. But, okay. um, yeah, so the, there's a part in Think Like a Monk where he talks about our ego. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes many people will say, well, I don't have an ego. Mm -hmm. But if we were to really check ourselves, mm -hmm. there are things that we do or behaviors that we have that are ego driven. Yes. And I guess when I started my healing journey, it was about like death of my ego, <laughs> like me trying to kill my shadow side. <laughs> I'm like, she needs to go. Yes. So every time I see her creeping up, I'm like, nah, girl, it's okay. <laughs> Keep your darkness over there. <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying because I've, I've heard stories of other people who have, as they've gone through their healing journey, even how they utilize social media, how they engage on social mm -hmm. media shifts. I, before I, you know, I guess started utilizing social media for business, it was a place for me to connect with other people. And I used to hear mm -hmm. people around me say, oh, you know, social media is evil and it's all negative and da da da. But I, I social media can be what you want it to be, Absolutely. depending on how you use it and who mm -hmm. you engage with. And people have always asked me, like, you know, are you keeping up with what so-and-so is doing or look at this or, mm -hmm. um, you know, how I feel about certain things. And whenever my response is like, I don't know, or I don't care. <laughs> are you normal? And it's not that I'm not normal, but I, I think my belief around things like that is like, yeah, God doesn't run out of blessings. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. someone else can be winning and I can celebrate your win. Even if I'm Absolutely. not in my winning season, mm -hmm. someone else can be in my same industry and I will have them on my podcast and promote their business mm -hmm. and promote their book. To me, we are not in competition. Right. Like we were blessed with different gifts. And even if we were given the same gift, it may resonate differently with different people. Exactly. So that 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 blessing in celebrating other people's wins, I feel like even opens up the door for more wins for us with the open mm -hmm. heart. And yes. And there was something else that you said that I wanted to to touch on. Now I can't remember. Oh no, um, no I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, well, also, I mean, to the greatness of um, you even being open about a ghostwriter, because typically I, on the publishing side, mm -hmm. will take care of Pollyanna's ghostwriting clients, and there's a lot of, you know, celebrities and mm -hmm. social media influencers and stuff like that. So it's like because I signed an NDA, I can't say certain names. So I appreciate you speaking about. <laughs> Uh, the ghostwriting side of it but I, I also appreciate just for you know people who are also in that industry mm -hmm. where they can be a support system to creatives like yourself where yeah. um, sometimes it can be challenging to get all of your thoughts organized and put down Absolutely. on paper, mm -hmm. right so it's not negative to have a ghostwriter it's not a bad thing mm -hmm. they're helping you organize your thoughts they're mm -hmm. helping you know organize your words so that they're more receptive to the mm -hmm. reader all those things so I appreciate your honesty with that yeah and like how you were saying death to ego I think I'm in my season of teaching people death to solopreneurship <laughs> Why are we trying to do this alone? Yeah. Okay. People think that asking for help always has to be so expensive or no, it's collaboration. It's partnership. Yes. Sometimes it's bartering. Yeah. I don't believe that anyone, we're not meant to do life alone. Agreed. And we don't get prizes for saying I built this all by myself. That's sad. Honestly. Yes. 
it's kind of heartbreaking when I hear people talk about everything they built by themselves. I'm like, gosh, that had to be lonely. Tiring. Yeah. Ask for help, guys. <laughs> yes, agreed. 1000%. Ask for help in all areas of your life. I agree that help is required. We're wired for connection. Mm-hmm. We are not meant to struggle alone. Ask for help by seeking guidance um, with experts, therapists, counselors, mentors, um, hiring people for their expertise, brand experts, mindset coaches. Mm-hmm. I agree that we all need help. I am, listen, I'm a huge advocate for that because in order for me to, remain strong. I need help. I need help from my partner. I need help from my kids. I need help from social media. Mm -hmm. I think I ask every other day on Facebook, Hey guys, where can I like, I'm asking for help (laughs) all the time. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So let's, let's quickly touch on that because I feel like, especially as women, you know, mm-hmm. we are carrying so much on our shoulders. Yes. We are trying to be the wife, the mom, the entrepreneur, the, you know, the partner, the, like all of these things. Yeah. Carrying all of this weight. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how healing it has been for you learning to ask for help. And I guess the, the benefits that, that come with that. Mm. Oh, my goodness. The first thing that comes to mind is I was just talking to a friend about how fun surrendering is. So I'm going to start there. Mm. I want to speak from the the look of outlook of marriage um, because that was my biggest struggle with surrendering and kind of surrendering my independence too. And that has been so healing. But I feel like this goes to whether you're asking for help from a coach, from a friend, whatever. Um, but yeah, I went into my relationship uh, as Miss Independent. Mm. I thought that I thought that I would get to heaven and God would say, here's your prize for doing it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to ask people for help. And there's a few I were I think I also learned this from majority of my life with my mom is I didn't want to be a burden. From the smallest things, I my mom never had a bedroom. Uh, she lived on the sofa so that we could have our own rooms. And I remember as a kid, I was like, "When mom is asleep, I am quiet." You never like I learned innately to never be a burden. Mm-hmm. And so I carry that with me into adulthood. Is like I can do this myself. I will figure it out before I ask for help. I am meant to do it myself. I'm built to do it myself. And that was one of the biggest struggles that we had walking into our relationship once we decided, okay, we we got to heal some things before we get married. And um, there have been many conversations and therapy sessions and premarital counseling that has gotten me to the point where I can lean on my spouse. But the biggest thing that I've learned is that surrendering is such an empowering thing. Yes. Asking for help is it's beautiful. It's fun. It is freeing. And yeah. I was just talking to my friend because she just got engaged and she's going into marriage and um, she's talking about surrendering to and working through that season. And I was saying how we don't realize that certain, like we were talking about people are bit, built differently. And my husband and the people that I lean on are built to carry the things that I cannot carry. Mm-hmm. We go to a specialist and we hire them for branding is because they were created to do and, and think in a way 
that we cannot. Yeah. And it's beautiful to see. And it's funny because what I've learned throughout my marriage is very short-lived guys. We're coming up on a year, but we've been together <laughs> five years. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's beautiful to see because what I've learned is the things that feel so huge to me are so tiny to my husband because that's his area of specialty. He can carry those things. He was built as a man, as the head of our household to carry those. The things that feel like the end of my world are just like a blip for him. It's like, girl, that was a five-minute decision. Yeah. I don't know why you've been crying for two weeks. <laughs> and so it, it is beauty in that. And that's why I truly believe we're meant to do life together. Yeah. People come to me, even other business coaches and marketing strategies, they'll come to me like, oh my gosh, I feel so dumb. I, I should have, I could have thought of that in two seconds, but you didn't. Right. I did. And that is okay because we're meant to do life together. And now you have the clarity to go help somebody else. Yes. And it's a cycle. And so um, the biggest thing in me, like the thing that healed most in me, or the thoughts that healed most in me are the negative thoughts that I couldn't do certain things or even realizing that I don't have to do all the things and still be worthy. I don't have to say I wrote every word in my book to accept the fact that I am an author. Yes. You know, I didn't have to strive over pages for hours and like making sure that the grammar is correct to say that my, word, that my words had an impact. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like if we, for some reason, a lot of people think if we ask for help or if we take ourselves out of the equation that somehow it no longer is ours or somehow it no longer, we are somehow not worthy or that the title we have doesn't match us, that imposter syndrome sets in. If anything, I think you're more of, of what you're afraid that you're not. Like yeah. me feeling like, oh, I'm not a good wife if I don't do all these things myself. No, I'm actually a better wife when I communicate my needs. Yes. No? Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Yes, girl. Yes. And uh, even to that last point, I, I want to emphasize that mm -hmm. because I don't know if it's just the Black community or if it's just the world at large mm -hmm. that believes that, you know, in order to be a wife, you need to be able to do this, 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 that, and the third. Yeah. Like who, whose idea was that? Who created that? that? Like what, why does that have to be mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. norm? You know, mm -hmm. We do what works for us. I had a, another guest on who she's been on many, what do you call it? Reality yeah. competition type shows. And her and her husband aren't, she met her husband doing big brother actually. <laughs> and they, you know, they run business together and mm -hmm. she just had a baby and she was struggling before with the idea of like, I'm not a good wife because I don't cook or I don't do this. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. Now she has a child. Like they've created now a structure that works for them. Mm -hmm. So I just want to emphasize that I think we have this idea that we have to fit into these boxes mm -hmm. or we have to check off certain boxes mm -hmm. in order to be when you can just be. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. Freedom to just be. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. And I mean, there's so many conversations around it where I'm, I look online. I'm like, what are we talking about here? Who pays the bills? Who cooks? Who gets the kids dressed? Who should be staying at home? Who be do what works for you. We did. <laughs> Thank you. Let's do what you want to do. Yeah. In every aspect of life. I agree 1000%. Yeah. What like we could have a whole another conversation on this. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I want to make sure that I respect your time. So before we go to the final segment, I want you to share with the listeners where they can stay connected with you, where they can buy your book, where they can learn more from you. Yeah. So you can stay connected with me on Instagram. It's at IsisBriana, I-S-I-S-B-R-E-A-N-N-A. And you'll see there pretty much everything else, website, where to buy things, how to reach out to me. That's all in the link in my bio. You can also buy my book, Skyrocket Your Business with Social Media Branding, anywhere that they sell books. I Also, funny thing, I'm learning how important Amazon reviews are. Yeah. (laughs) And Amazon purchases are for uh, brick and mortar businesses to stock your inventory. Yeah. So you can buy it anywhere, but my publisher will want me to tell you to buy it on Amazon (laughs) and to leave a review (laughs) (laughs) so that they can continue to stock the inventory in bookstores. So, yes. Yes. Make sure that you go out and follow and purchase her book and take her courses. (laughs) So I will have all of the details where they can stay connected with you perfect in the detail section below the episode so they don't have to search too far okay great and for the final segment of the show it's kind of like a rapid fire um oh, but I love I believe, rapid fire yes good <laughs> i don't believe in putting anybody into a box because i don't like boxes so typically i'll say you know you can answer in one word or one sentence but okay. if you feel inclined to unpack you are more than welcome to do so okay let's do right. this okay <laughs> First question, mm-hmm. when and where are you the happiest? Oh, I don't know if there was a when or a where, but it's always when I'm laughing with my husband. There's mm-hmm. this moment of intimacy where we're both cackling and we just feel it. And we're like, yeah, this, this is it. This is it. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Love it. Okay. What's been the biggest surprise that you've had in the last year? And why do you feel that is? Oh, I'm going to have to unpack this one. Um <laughs> It was a a big surprise for me of how much I would be struggling to conceive. I And I say that because I have endometriosis, so it wasn't a surprise in a sense of I knew that things were going on with my body and my doctor warned me, but it was a surprise for me because God has promised me three sons. Mm. And I 100% believe in that. And I've had multiple prophecy and confirmation that I am having three boys. (laughs) And so I attached myself to that idea, which I had to let go of a bit. So I I thought, okay, we'll be soon. As soon as I decide that I'm ready for them, they'll be here. And that has not quite happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's been a surprise, but it's also been a part of my healing journey of like, you know, what faith looks like for me and preparation for God's promises. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, I strongly believe God's timing is sometimes different than our timing that we you know, have this expecta- expectation of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that our prayers are always answered. And sometimes mm-hmm. we just need to be more prepared for those prayers. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. standing in agreement with you on that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. What's the best advice that you've ever received? So much great advice. Okay. there's. I'm going to have to go through mom, grandma, and dad. Okay. Um, my dad always tells me to basically stay the course and that no one has the same mind as you. And he says that in a way to remind me that people won't see my vision. And mm-hmm. so when I have a vision, I have to stop seeking validation Yes, and go for it because no one knows what's in my brain and, and what's to come except me and God. Yeah. Uh, my mom has always reminded me to do exactly what I love and money will come. And, and my grandma has this saying to uh, persist, Pursue and per- oh, pray, persist, and pursue. 
Mm. is her saying. Yes. Um, and those are all great. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of those. <laughs> you were surrounded by some brilliant people. <laughs> okay. Um, what is something that other people value, but you don't? Oh gosh, this is supposed to be rapid. <laughs> That people value that I don't. The first thing that comes to mind, I'm going to go at my first heart. My first thing is things. I think people are attached to certain things and, and I get it in a way. Some people feel like, you know, what they have is an attest to what they've been through or who they are. Or um, for me, I could care less. Pricing is even weird to me. Like the, the fact that we price things, I don't know, kind of strange to me. Yeah. I, I just, I value experiences and I value life and being around people. Yes. The big thing. I yeah. That. I love that. Okay. If you could create one law that mm-hmm. everyone in the world had to follow, what would that be? If there was a way to test this and make sure people were doing it, I would say that you have to trust your gut mm. or like the Holy Spirit, whatever you do. I think them as both. Yeah. You, like yeah. you have to do that and just do it. And if you don't do the thing that God told you to do, then jail. <laughs> <laughs> Being obedient, yes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Wow. Thank you so much, Isis, for not only saying yes, but for your transparency, for the jokes, the laughs, your humility. You know, I, like I said, I stand in agreement with you about the three sons and I will continue to pray for your happiness. And I am just grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm praying over you guys. I'm praying over your mindsets and especially my baby with ADHD. Thank you. She's got it. She's got it. <laughs> One day, I promise you the ADHD and the neurodivergence, I feel like it's more than us than not, quite honestly. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to shape the world and have people see things and accept things. And yeah, I believe that. I'm praying over you guys and your family too. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, I, I truly believe that all of the, well, okay, at the end of the day, yes, we are all creatives. We are mm-hmm. created in God's image. Mm-hmm. But the the people who are focused on being, I guess, creative entrepreneurs, the people who are not overly analytical, mm-hmm. I truly believe those are the people who are presently running the world. The, like, it's those people, it's us that are coming up with Mm-hmm. the ideas Absolutely. to shift things. It is us that is coming up with the content. It is us that is putting things out there. So I do believe that. And I do believe there are way more of us out there. We're just yeah. diagnosed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we will continue. Yes. <laughs> to do what we do. <laughs> and to all you healers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We want to hear what resonated with you, what part of Isis' story or journey or gems resonated with you most. We love, love, love your feedback. And I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular shows. That's out of over 3 million podcasts, so I am beyond grateful. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode. You can tag Isis at IsisBrianna. You can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. And a healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her. <laughs>